Chapter Eight of the Channings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rosie. The Channings by Ellen Wood. Chapter Eight. The Assistant Organist. Things often seem to go by the rule of contrary. Arthur returned to the office at two o'clock, brimful of the favor he was going to solicit of Mr. Galloway, but he encountered present disappointment. For the first time in many weeks, Mr. Galloway did not make his appearance in the office at all. He was out the whole of the afternoon. Roland Yorke, to whom Arthur confided the plan, ridiculed it. "'Catch me taking such a task upon myself. "'If I could play the organ like a Mendelssohn "'and send the folks into ecstasies, "'I'd never saddle myself with the worry "'of doing it morning and afternoon. "'You'll soon be sick of the bargain, Channing.' "'I should never be sick of it, if I did it for nothing. "'I am too fond of music for that, "'and it will be a very easy way of earning money.' "'Not so easy as making your mother stump up,' was the reply.' "'And if your refinement turns from the expression, my good reader, "'I am sorry you should have to read it, "'but it is what Mr. Roland Yorke said. "'I had a regular scene with Lady Augusta this morning. "'It's the most unreasonable thing in the world, you know, Channing, "'for her to think I can live without money, "'and so I told her, said I must and would have it, in fact. "'Did you get it?' "'Of course I did. "'I wanted to play Sims and one or two more trifles that were pressing. "'I was not going to have the fellow here after me again.' I wish such a thing as money had never been invented. You may as well wish we could live without eating. So I do sometimes, when I go home expecting a good dinner, and there's only some horrid cold stuff upon the table. There was never a worse housekeeper than Lady Augusta. It's my belief our servants must live like fighting cocks, for I am sure the bills are heavy enough, and we don't get the benefit of them. What made you so late this afternoon? asked Arthur. I went round to pay Sims, for one thing, and then I called in upon Hamish, and stayed talking with him. Wasn't he in a sea of envy when I told him I had been scoring off that Sims? He wished he could do the same. Hamish does not owe anything to Sims, cried Arthur, with hasty retort. Doesn't he? laughed Roland Yorke. That's all you know about it. Ask him yourself. If you please, sir, interposed Mr. Jenkins at this juncture, I shall soon be waiting for that paper. "'Mr. Galloway directed me to send it off by post. "'Bother the paper,' returned Roland. "'But, nevertheless, he applied himself to complete it. "'He was in the habit of discoursing upon private topics "'before Jenkins without any reserve, "'regarding him as a perfect non-entity. "'When Arthur went home in the evening, "'he found Mr. Galloway sitting with his father. "'Well,' cried the proctor, as Arthur entered, "'and who has been at the office this afternoon?' "'No one in particular, sir,' "'Oh, yes, there was, though, I forgot. "'The dean looked in and wanted to see you. "'What did he want?' "'He did not say, sir. "'He told Jenkins it would do another time. "'Arthur left his father and Mr. Galloway together. "'He did not broach the subject that was uppermost in his heart. "'Gifted with rare delicacy of feeling, "'he would not speak to Mr. Galloway until he could see him alone. "'To prefer the request in his father's presence "'might have caused Mr. Galloway more trouble in refusing it. "'I can't think what has happened to Arthur this evening,' exclaimed one of them. "'His spirits are up to fever-heat.' "'Tell us what it is, Arthur.' Arthur laughed. "'I hope they will not be lowered to freezing-point within the next hour, that's all.' When he heard Mr. Galloway leaving, he hastened after him, and overtook him in the boundaries. "'I wanted to say a few words to you, sir, if you please.' "'Say on,' said Mr. Galloway. 
"'Why did you not say them indoors?' "'I scarcely know how I shall say them now, sir, "'for it is a very great favour that I have to ask you, "'and you may be angry, perhaps, at my thinking you might grant it. "'You want a holiday, I suppose?' "'Oh, no, sir, nothing of that sort. "'I want—' "'Well?' cried Mr. Galloway, surprised at his hesitation. "'But now that the moment of preferring the request had come, "'Arthur shrank from doing it. "'Could you allow me, sir, would it make very much difference, "'to allow me to come to the office an hour earlier "'and remain in it an hour later?' stammered Arthur. "'What for?' exclaimed Mr. Galloway, with marked surprise. "'I have had an offer made me, sir, to take the cathedral organ at weekday service. "'I should very much like to accept it, if it could be managed.' "'Why, where's Jupp?' uttered Mr. Galloway. "'Jupp has resigned. He is ill and is going out for his health. "'I'll tell you how it all happened,' went on Arthur, "'losing diffidence now that he was fairly launched upon his subject. "'Of course, this failure of the suit makes a great difference to our prospects at home. "'It renders it incumbent upon us to do what we can do to help. "'Why does it?' interrupted Mr. Galloway. "'It may make a difference to your future ease, but it makes none to your present means. "'There is money wanted in many ways, sir. "'A favourable termination to the suit was counted upon so certainly. "'For one thing, it is necessary that my father should try the German baths.' "'Of course he must try them,' cried Mr. Galloway.' "'But it will cost money, sir,' deprecated Arthur. "'Altogether, we have determined to do what we can. "'Constance has set us the example by engaging herself as daily governess at Lady Augusta's. "'She goes on Monday.' "'Very commendable of her,' observed the proctor, who loved a gossip like any old woman. "'I hope she'll not let those two unruly girls worry her to death. "'And I was casting about in my mind this morning what I could do to help when I met the organist,' proceeded Arthur.' he chanced to say that he could find no one to take the music copying. Well, sir, I thought it over, and at one o'clock I went to ask him to give it to me. I found him at the organ in a state of vexation. Jupp had resigned his post, and Mr. Williams had no one to replace him. The long and the short of it is, sir, that he offered it to me. And did you accept it? crossly responded Mr. Galloway. "'Of course I could not do that, sir, until I had spoken to you. "'If it were possible that I could make up the two hours to you, "'I should be very glad to take it.' "'And do it for nothing, I suppose. "'Oh, no, he would give me fifty pounds a year, "'and there would be the copying besides.' "'That's a great deal,' cried Mr. Galloway. "'It appears to me to be good pay,' replied Arthur. "'But he would lose a great deal more than that "'if he had to attend the cathedral himself. "'He said it would ruin his teaching.' "'Ah, self-interest! Two for himself and one for you!' ejaculated the proctor. "'What does Mr. Channing say?' "'I have said nothing at home. It was of no use telling them until I had spoken to you. Now that my prospects are gone—' "'What prospects?' interrupted Mr. Galloway. "'My article's to you, sir. Of course there's no chance of that now.' Mr. Galloway grunted. "'The ruin that chancery suits work. Mark you, Arthur Channing, this is such a thing as was never asked a proctor before. Leave of absence for two hours in the best part of the day. If I grant it, it will be out of the great friendship I bear your father.' "'Oh, sir, I shall never forget the obligation.' "'Take care you don't. You must come and work for two hours before breakfast in a morning.' "'Willingly, readily,' exclaimed Arthur Channing, his face glowing. "'Then may I really tell Mr. Williams that I can accept it?' "'If I don't say yes, I suppose you'll magnify me into a sullen old bear as bad as Ketch the porter. 
you may accept it. Stop, thundered Mr. Galloway, coming to a dead standstill. Arthur was startled. What now, sir? Are you to be instructor to those random animals, the choristers? Oh, no, I shall have nothing to do with that. Very good. If you had taken to them, I should have recommended you to guard against such a specimen of singing as was displayed the other day before the judges. Arthur laughed, spoke a word of heartfelt thanks, and took his way off-hand to the residence of the organist as light as any bird. "'I have obtained leave, Mr. Williams. I may take your offer,' he exclaimed with scant ceremony, when he found himself in that gentleman's presence who was at tea with his wife. "'Mr. Galloway has authorized me to accept it. How do you do, Mrs. Williams?' "'That's a great weight off my mind, then,' cried the organist. "'I see that dolt of an apprentice of mine to play the folks out of college this afternoon.' when service was over, and, of all performances, six mistakes he made in three bars and broke down at last. I could have boxed his ears. The dean was standing below when I went down. Who was that playing, Mr. Williams, he demanded. So I told him about Jupp's ill behavior in leaving me, and that I had offered the place to you. But is Channing quite competent, cried he, for you know what a fine ear for music the dean has. And besides, he added, is he not at Galloway's? I said we hoped Mr. Galloway would spare you, and that I would answer for your competency. So mind, Channing, you must put on the steam, and not disgrace my guarantee. I don't mean the steam of noise, or that you should go through the service with all the stops out. Arthur laughed, and, declining the invitation to remain and take tea, he went out. He was anxious to declare the news at home. A few stops on his road he overtook Hamish. "'Where do you spring from?' exclaimed Hamish, passing his arm within Arthur's. "'From concluding an agreement that will bring me in fifty pounds a year,' said Arthur. "'Gammon, Master Arthur.' "'It is not gammon, Hamish. It is sober truth.' Hamish turned and looked at him, aroused by something in the tone. "'And what are you to do for it?' "'Just pass a couple of hours a day, delighting my own ears and heart. "'Do you remember what Constance said last night? "'Hamish, it is wonderful that this help should so soon have come to me.' "'Stay, where are you going?' interrupted Hamish, as Arthur was turning into a side street. "'This is the nearest way home.' "'I had rather not go that way.' "'Why?' exclaimed Arthur in surprise. "'Hamish, how funny you look! What is the matter?' "'Must I tell you? It is for your ear alone, mind. "'There's a certain tradesman's house down there that I'd rather not pass. "'He has a habit of coming out and dunning me. "'Do you remember Mr. Dick Swiveller?' Hamish laughed gaily. He would have laughed on his road to prison. It was in his nature. But Arthur seemed to take a leap from his high ropes. "'Is it Sims?' he breathed. "'No, it is not Sims. Who has been telling you anything about Sims, Arthur? It is not so very much that I owe Sims. What is this good luck of yours?' Arthur did not immediately reply. A dark shadow had fallen upon his spirit as a forerunner of evil. End of chapter 8. Recording by Rosie.